With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Empowered Love with author, self-mastery coach, and relationship expert, Melanie Tanya Evans. Take back your power, heal your soul, and set yourself free. Free through Empowered Love. And now your host of Empowered Love, Melanie Tanya Evans. Hi everyone, I'm Mel and welcome to another Empowered Love radio show. And I've got a Thriver show this week and lately there's been a little bit of a theme which has been the moderators in the NARP forum have been coming forward and sharing their Thriver show. And this is one of those shows. This is one of our moderators and Clary and I love a catchphrase that has been used for Clary that when Clary answers, you have been clarified because her answers and this was, you know, Cindy uh, shared this with us, with Cinder, and it was such a gorgeous expression because Clary's doing amazing work in there. And Clary's story is powerful. It's, it's really powerful. So, Clary, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Melanie. I so appreciate it. And everything you do, it's just, a, this is such a treat. Oh, I think it's going to be a treat for a lot of people, Clary, because your story's great. It's amazing. So, Clary, can you please describe your narcissistic experience to the listeners? Well, he's fairly typical for a covert narcissist. And uh, he uh, completely, you know, blindsided me. First of all, he's very strong, resilient, charming, intelligent, just like they all are. (laughs) But he's intelligent in an unsophisticated way, so he's not pretentious or anything. And he's very good-looking. He looks a little like Tom Selleck. And uh, he seemed to me to have a normal character. He wasn't outrageously charming, but he was consistent. So he didn't put a spell on me or anything. He just danced my dance, eh? And he didn't miss a step until he was ready to. And uh, he's a very talented mechanic. He can fix and, and make anything he sets his mind to. So he's admired in a very large community for that. And how many narcissists are really talented at something? That is so consistent, I find. Yes. Yeah, I find that too, that they, they pick, they sort of focus on the one thing and they do that one thing very, very well. Yeah. And that, I think, is his island of stability. Yeah. I yeah. think that's how he functions. That's the one thing he maintains meticulously. Mm. And then everything else is, it just it orbits around that. Mm. Yeah. So we're very close in age, which is unusual for me, because I usually went with older people. And we had similar interests, or so, so I thought at the time. 
and our relationship had all the usual hallmarks of a normal relationship, but it also had the narcissistic hormones. So there was the mirroring, the long, constant, very intimate conversations right from the start to gain information, which I was really happy to give. He he was really good at putting me at ease. He made me feel comfortable. He smiled at me often, kissed my hand, opened doors, pushed in my chair. He deferred to me the whole time. So it was all just packaged so beautifully. It was just perfect. You know, I mm, I couldn't help yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially at the time, you know, where we were in consciousness and we're going to get to all of that, obviously, yeah. 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 So then in conversation he would offer personal information to me. It was uh it was kind of in a quirky, charming boyish way and it was so different that it made me pay attention. And what it was like was like a contract negotiation. So he would put out an offer and then I would I would respond, I would put out mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So mm-hmm. and he had met me through an acquaintance. And he was already familiar with my immediate circumstances, you know. So it was this dance. We were we were so polite with each other and so comfortable, and I was very accommodating. So there was that unconsciousness, you know, was in there. I see that now. I didn't see it then. Oh, as we don't when we're there. Yeah, yeah. So what I did was I used the social aspect as my reality test, and it was really inadequate. And he passed that reality test with flying colors, so he hit all the right social buttons. He appeared to live simply, cleanly, in an organized way, which is something I really admire. And I have to say that's where he went to great effort, right there to present himself. He he was... His his place was meticulously clean. He was very organized. Everything had its place, and he was very. He showed me that, you know. He he sort of showcased that, and as mm. time wore on, those impressions gave way to a very different reality. So that's where that's, he was really putting. Pardon. And that's so interesting because a lot of narcissists can be quite loose and messy and sloppy. Yeah, and it just goes to show that it it can just present in so many different forms. Keep going. Yeah, this it was so like, interesting. This is amazing. Yeah, it's it's how he drew me in, and mm. uh, boy, he was good at it. <laughs> so and and of course he acted acted the part of a smitten man. He he really swept me off my feet, and I let him. You know, I just fell for him. And I fell for him, replete with the feeling of falling for him. Like I had that, it was a huge um, um, serotonin and dopamine hit that I got. It had never happened to me before, but even just thinking about him, I would get this high feeling off of him, you know? And uh, it was so strange. It was it was so strange, but that was my, I I realize now my subconscious was trying to give me a, a little hint hello, (laughs) but I just thought I felt that way because it was meant to be. (laughs) I thought that that's what real love was. Well, that's (laughs) what all the fairy tales and the movies have shown us. They haven't actually shown us that that hit is like, really? 
Danger, danger, danger. Yeah, that's that's the subconscious giving you a warning. If you if you're if you're feeling intoxicated just because of somebody's presence, something is off. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that Definitely. should be a T-shirt, shouldn't it? If you intoxicate me, something's off. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely, that, that's a big warning sign, especially with uh, somebody with a codependent mechanism because mm. uh, we're skewed anyways. So that's the body right. can't use its normal normal uh, pattern. It can't use its normal warning system. It's got to use something different, and that's yeah. what it used. Yeah, and of course, mm. I, okay. that went right over my head. <laughs> well, we didn't know. So, we didn't know. Mm. Yeah, exactly. So the truth is, it was just my time, you know, uh, uh, really uh, all of my life had led up to that moment, and uh, I was ripe fruit ready for picking, and I might as well have had a sign on me saying, pick me, pick me, you know, because it was it was just my time. So what happened in the relationship as it progressed is he, he right from the start, he controlled my free time, and and I let him. He would call me frequently. And we would spend hours on the phone talking or he would send me emails or he would phone me when I first woke up and then he would phone me as soon as I got home from work. So, and then he easily, you know, gained trust with me with his charm and he really reinforced that by telling me what I wanted to hear. You know? That is such a big one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, And, you know, there was no doubt in my mind. Nothing was there. <laughs> there was no bell, no warning, no flag, nothing. Nothing that I noticed. Yeah. So it was so easy for him well, to maneuver me. Well, that was in your life, but with everything you wanted. Absolutely. My dream come true. Yeah. Here I was in yeah. my 50s, you know, and I'm I'm meeting this wonderfully, you know, attractive, charming, really uh, uh, compatible man. Yeah, and it's it, it was just blew my lights. I, I you know, it mm. blew me away that this is what this is what all of I've been waiting for all of my life. <laughs> mm. And, my and you know, there will be a lot of people listening here who don't sort of understand the deeper healing path of ourselves and narcissists who would be listening. There's some be saying, and the problem was what? <laughs> no, <laughs> and and that's exactly what there was no problem in in mm. my mind. There was no problem. This was just this wonderful thing that was happening to me. It was it was an answer to a prayer, a miracle, a dream come true kind of thing. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's, that's it was very easy. Until, yeah. 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 So it was yeah. so easy for him to maneuver me. You know, he would just maneuver me and uh, create an isolation and a dependence on him. And that was the dance, you know. He kind of led and I kind of followed. And I it was like being hypnotized. <laughs> you know, he totally. filled the whole frame. Mm. So, And I played my part just as well as he did. You know, I, I, I just fell for it. I, I, I let him. So, And I was all too happy to teach him about me. And that's what I thought a normal relationship was. So he had a stealth approach, but it wasn't a, an exceptional stealth appro- approach. You know, he wasn't like, you know, James Bond, da, 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 you know, spy kind of thing. He was just effective because he was consistent. 
And even when the mask was off, he could appeal to my codependency and my avoidance. And and the thing is, is that he knew about that before I did. He knew mm. much more about that than I did. I I had no clue. <laughs> I was yeah. a bit like a blank slate. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? And yeah, he, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, something that it reminded me of was, you know, when you when you see those uh, um, shows and they show the people that are mimicking each other in the mirror, you know, mm-hmm. and if if the person if, if the person in the image was someone that looked like what you were expected, but you didn't know they weren't, you know. So here you are, you're looking at this image and you're thinking you're seeing who you're seeing. And they're they're mimicking you, and because mm. you're seeing what you expect to see, you don't know that you're seeing something different. Absolutely. So I missed all of those cues. You know, he he could he could make a mistake in in mimicking me, and it was covered because my own expectation was working against me. You see what I That's mean? That's right. We say what we want to say. Yeah. Yeah, and he was what I wanted to see, like to a T, perfectly. So, he, yeah. and he could, he made mistakes. Like in hindsight, I see some of the mistakes he made, but it was so easy for him to overcome that because of my expectation. He realized I was wearing very thick glasses emotionally and mm-hmm. mentally. And as time went on, then he could slowly and inevitably, um, you know, uh, relax that strong effort that he was putting up, and and really, honestly, I was no challenge to him at all. Yeah. So that relationship. That you just a big pardon. That is narcissistic relationships, isn't it? We're saying yes. what we want to say. It's like, oh, what was that? Oh, hang on a minute. No, that didn't just happen. I'm back to this version. Ex- exactly. Exactly. Like he he did something like he uh, he told a lie once and he he just surreptitiously because we were involved with with another person in the room he just involved me in it and i didn't know what to do but i didn't think anything of it two minutes after it happened it was gone not even in my head gone yes totally yeah, it's like, yeah I've just i remembered that, that after the fact and it's like <laughs> And don't we? All those things we looked back at, and we think, "Oh my goodness, he did—he did that." I just ignored that. I just didn't want to look at that. I didn't pay yeah, any attention to that because I was just so focused on all of the wonderful, fluffy, amazing stuff that I wanted this person to be. Yeah, yeah, mm. and and overlooked, you know, a really glaring like that was a good red flag. Missed it, you know. So and then the biggest one was that the relationship progressed very very fast, and within four months we were moving in together. And that's you know as soon as you move in together, boy, things change pretty quick. <laughs> oh yes, absolutely they do. Yeah. So he was never violent with me physically, but there was uh, an ambient threat. And that became very apparent over a short period of living with him. So it started off like offhanded comments distributed through normal conversation, very oddly. So 
so he would say things, uh, you know, I was a biker for a while and I knew people who did things. And that gradually, you know, over a couple weeks turned into I did some things I'm not proud of while I was with these bikers. And he doesn't look like a biker. There's no tattoos, no colors, no patches. There's, you know, very little swearing. He's extremely polite, German background, socially polished, but not too much. And he had a Honda, a motorcycle Honda, but it wasn't a Harley or a chopper, you know. So so the, the story didn't match the persona. And he was always hinting at some sort of existing residual danger from this involvement that he had with these people. But uh, it, it, it was just ambient in the air. You couldn't really specify, oh, that's it, that's it. You know, you had really nothing yeah. really to point at. It was just this overall ambient discomfort, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah, but that, that. that icky thing, which is like, oh, what was that? That was a bit unsavory. Yeah. But you're it right, was. it's really hard to put your finger on it. It, it just mm. sneaks in, kind of. It, it, it like sort of starts at the floor and moves its way up, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. And it starts like this little thing and it ends up just getting gradually bigger and bigger and bigger until... It's a fucking great book, billboard, really. So, yeah, then it becomes a real threat, you know, and that's what really happened. Right. Like, uh, and and because he wasn't violent with me, it it was all ambient. So those statements, you know, I was a biker and I did this and that, evolved into statements, you know, that he would interlace into normal conversation, like, you know, there's a swamp over there that a body could be dumped in and no one would ever know. <laughs> you know, it would wow. just ramp up. Ramp it up a little yeah, bit, like and then creepy. and then it it did it it started to creep me out because it was really the situation would be cre- completely normal, and we would be content or what I thought was content, and and mm. he would just throw that in, you yeah. know, just pop that into the conversation, and it was like, you know, uh, and I'm looking around, what happened. <laughs> I couldn't yeah. understand what what was going on. So then, uh, then it would you know things would happen. We would get be, be getting ready for bed, and we'd just have a nice time sitting out at the fire, or, or watched a really nice movie, and just out of his mouth would pop. You know, there are times I could just throttle you, completely unprovoked. Wow. There was no. It was just the weirdest thing, and and it would stun me. Yeah, you know, right. I would and then we've gone from like, creepy to sicko, haven't we? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, then, uh, then I, because I, th- I was thinking, well, we've just moved in together. You know, this is a transition. Things are going to get back to normal, but it, it, the storm, and I didn't see the storm. It was a storm of manipulation. It was constant lies. He was gaslighting me already. He was triangulating me with other people. He was uh, making these mm-hmm. veiled kind of threats and then not so veiled kind of threats. And and the situation just quickly got to a level where I lost my grip. Mm-hmm. That last shred of control I thought I had just kind of it, it, it evaporated. It whittled away right in front of me. And so that ambient threat that was in the air was also reinforced with weapons in our home. (laughs) 
And mm-hmm. I'd never had that before. I wasn't accustomed to that. And he stored those weapons improperly. It's very regulated here in Canada how you how you're to store your weapons. And mm-hmm. uh, he had friends who I were police officers who, yeah, yeah, friends of his that were you know law enforcement knew how he stored his weapons, and they never said or did anything about it. You know, so because they did that, I couldn't really do that. <laughs> you know, I couldn't really say anything about it. So, and he spoke of uh, other sophisticated weapons that he had at a friend's house that I had trust. I trusted that he had, but I never saw them myself. So that that contributed to that ambient threat. You know, and Absolutely. then there was. Pardon me. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it ramped it right up. Yeah. And 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 I didn't realize it. Like I didn't see it uh as a threat at the time. I just thought that it was off a little bit. You know what I mean? I was uncomfortable with it and I didn't know how to express that. Yes. So it was, you know, it was it was a strange situation. And I just thought it was part of the transition that he would even out and I would even out. And then everything would be good again. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. And then there was the food, the the food issue. He took over all of the cooking. And it was very, very rare that I was ever permitted to do any of it. And I like cooking, and I'm a pretty good cook. But I realize now what this was, and that was part of making me dependent on him. So it's called infantilization. I have such a hard time saying that word. But it's when they turn their target into an infant. And uh, and totally. what happened, it's hard to say, but it's easy to fall into. Well, and very much so, because it feels like you're being really loved and cared for. Well, that's what I thought it was. I thought it was a, a show of affection, and that he because I I worked and I had uh, I worked in the afternoon, so I always I was always getting home late, and I thought he was taking care of me. Yeah. <laughs> he was controlling me. <laughs> he was yeah. controlling everything I ate, every you know when I mm-hmm. ate, what I ate, how I ate, and uh, he happened to be taking morphine at the time for pain and he still takes it he take he has a, a chronic pain problem and when i moved in with him i didn't realize it at the time but my sleeping pattern changed very quickly and i used to read for half an hour before bed before i went to bed every night half an hour every night i'd read and it was just years and years and years i'd done this that was my pattern i couldn't keep my my eyes open after a meal when i was living with him I I I would just I would sit on the couch and sock right out, gone, just gone yeah. within seconds. And I was constantly freezing cold. And I'm from a Scandinavian background, so we tolerate the cold. We actually enjoy the cold, you know. It's it's in our blood. But I it could be 30 degrees Celsius outside, and I would be shivering cold, goosebumps, the uncomfortable, you know, that uncomfortable cold terrible feeling yeah. and then the fatigue this just overwhelming fatigue would take me and i i just thought that you know something had changed with me i didn't realize that it might have something to do with the meals <laughs> i didn't realize that until way later <laughs> oh my goodness 
Yeah, how to miss that, eh? Yeah. So he wow. used to comment all the time that he'd never seen anybody fall asleep as fast as I did. Every day he said that. I, I, I've never met anybody who could fall asleep like you do. And then he'd, he'd watch me while I slept. And, and every night he was poking me, disturbing me awake. He'd even accidentally hit me at times. So every couple hours I was waking up. So he was disturbing my oh. sleep. Yeah, it's like a cat playing with a playing with a mouse, <laughs> like you wow. know. A, a, yeah, yeah, it, it was, was really well, really weird. It was it was really creepy, oh and then he used goodness. to always say that I had this childlike appearance when I slept. He said you looked like a little girl or like one of those porcelain dolls, and he'd say it all the time. And that's mm-hmm. objectification. That's that's the idealization. And Absolutely. I missed that. That went right over my head. Yeah. And then it got gravitated to, uh, you know, comments. <laughs> and he said this very, very often, uh, how to poison somebody and get away with it. <laughs> so, and of course, interlaced into normal conversation and completely unprovoked. And he used to say this in front of other people too. And he'd say, you know, if you're going to poison something, somebody, you always take a little bit of, your, of it yourself every day so that you build up an immunity and you have it in your system as well. So when it happens, you don't get caught. And you know what? <laughs> you know, this is the thing that I just so know and believe now. Why does a person's mind go to things like that unless there's something seriously not right with them? Exactly. Exactly. And and my thought is is that he he might have been having fantasies about that. And maybe he was acting on that. You know? Well, it, yeah. it it kind of it kind of gives you chills, eh? Yeah, <laughs> when, you, when you think of it like that, it's like you know, what was this guy serving me each and every night? What 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 was was he putting stuff in my food? Because I certainly wasn't myself. I, yeah. my 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 pattern was was gone and then when i finally broke with him oh. you know when i finally went no contact my sleeping pattern came right back to normal i read every night half an hour before i go to sleep <laughs> i don't have yeah. the freezing cold feeling anymore you know i sleep for long healthful durations undisturbed except for noisy neighbors i live in an apartment you know but uh Crazy, eh? Oh, that is crazy. That that is. And, yeah, like, uh, I don't even know what to say about that. I know, (laughs) I know. There's something going on, like... Yeah, yeah. and I missed it all. I Mm. missed Mm. all of it. Mm. Yeah. Well, we do, don't we? Yeah, yeah. And that was... That's what it's happened. I was unconscious. Yeah. yeah, yeah we're, so we're, and then we're all of that. that oh, sorry, I missed that. No, yeah, just that we haven't woken up at that point yet. Yeah, I was not awake. I I was definitely not awake. And then after that whole experience, just to know at this point that he was just the tip of a of an iceberg that he was the very top of a veritable mountain of unconscious stored emotion 
and beliefs from a very traumatic childhood that I had. And I thought I had dealt with it. I had a framework and a context for it. But in reality, it was a bomb. <laughs> and it was ready to explode. And it would have, if it had have explode, exploded, it would have destroyed my sanity, my identity, and truly threatened my ability to survive. And I only became aware of that after I started NARP. Mm. Yeah, he was just the tip, just the top of it. Under the water was the great big problem. <laughs> it's so true. They are a symptom. They are a symptom. So, yeah. Clary, how did you end up as a result of being narcissistically abused when this relationship was said and done? Well, it didn't take long for me to wear down. Uh, he took my personality and defenses apart piece by piece. Uh, and I know now that he started that process from the moment we met. So every gain he seemed to make took something from me. So within months, I had gone from this giddy, you know, dopamine and serotonin-laden happy woman who was, you know, really in love and full of life and hope, you know, for the future with this wonderful man to a woman who was wondering, what the hell was going on? What happened? Why was I living in this? And where was the man I fell in love with? So that devalue worked with my unconscious self-critic, the self-loathing, the constant looking to myself as the problem, and I couldn't see him for who and what he was. I was completely blind to my own condition. And he was the man that I loved. So I clung to that. And then in a few months, I was starting to show acute uh, CPTSD symptoms, which included frequent flashbacks. So that was the traumatic childhood was rearing its ugly head. I was dissociating. I was losing chunks of time. I would just, uh, I, I would end up, you know, coming home from work and, and I, I, an hour was gone. I didn't know what happened in that hour. Wow. It was, it was very strange. It was scary. Yeah, that truth very is very It would be Yeah, scary. it was really, I was gone. I was fatigued. I was distracted, confused. I was overwhelmed and I gained so much weight. And I had lost myself, and I was very close to a nervous breakdown, but you couldn't tell me that. I, 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 I couldn't see it. <laughs> I had this illusion that I was capable and that I could tough it out. I, I, I'm a bulldozer at heart, you know. I just bulldoze my way through it, and, uh, you know, I figure I'm going to get a workable and livable conclusion because I did that. <laughs> But my bulldozer was falling apart. I mean, How many codependents are like that? How many yeah. of us just thought, you know what, I've always been able to get up and go again. I'm just going to keep doing it. That's that was that was it. That was that was my narrative. I'm just going to mm. keep working, and it's just going to work out. You know, and uh, I was the only person who didn't realize I was a big trouble emotionally and mentally. And then something happened. <laughs> Ding! Something yeah, happened. Yeah, to show us that that's the case. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the craziest thing, eh? The mm. the the uh, the narc had he had a huge drinking problem that I didn't know about, 
until he was arrested three times over the course of two months for drinking and driving. Oh, I'm talking as well for pain. Goodness. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the first event was in late October, and the last was early December. And we had just moved in together in July. And and we had packed up and moved house again in mid-November. And let me tell you, moving me around like that was a great dysregulating tactic. I was completely disoriented. Yes. Completely disoriented. And that's when he chooses to drink and drive. <laughs> yes, yes. So normally people go to jail for a long time for that sort of thing, you know. But he was very charming, not extremely so. He was just consistent enough with it that he was able to charm the police. He charmed me over and over again, even the judiciary. So for those three offenses, in total, he spent one night in jail after being arrested for his third offense and was released on his own recognizance the next day. Uh, After he went to court, he was fined for $1,600 and his license was suspended for one year. There was a write-up in a paper associated with our local paper, but it was miles away from our location, so nobody, hardly anybody in town knew about it. Amazing. How's that, eh? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Charm and dumb luck. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't believe it. Of course, he was lying to me the whole time about it, and I was so dysregulated over that. I, I just couldn't figure out what was going on. So uh, the one thing I did do at that time was I insisted that we see an addictions counselor, and he got on the phone He made the appointment. He assured me that everything was going to be all right and that this was a glitch. He had overcome it before and he could do it again. And I believed him, you know. I thought, okay, okay, we'll get back on track, you know. That's what I was thinking. (laughs) So, But by this time, my cracks, I had big cracks, and they were exposing my underlying issues quite prominently to anyone who could see it except me. I was a mess. I was falling apart. So what happened was, by fluke, the addictions counselor accidentally triggered me into a dissociated episode during a session I I had alone with him because he would see us together and then he would meet with us alone to, to counsel us. And I was gone in that session for about five minutes. And when I came to, he told me what had happened because I didn't recall. I had no no memory of it. And he said I became childlike. I cried. I was frightened. I didn't know where I was or who he was. He, and he told me, he said, you're having a problem and you need help with this. And it was hard for me to believe that. And I told him I, I, that I had already received counseling from several professionals who pronounced me quite well. And he insisted, telling me that it was his best professional opinion that I see someone right away and he made sure that I was going. So he would phone me several times before I, I I made the appointment and he would phone me to make sure that I was going. And then he phoned me after to make sure that I went wow. and that I was still going to go. So he kept checking in with me. And he made this appointment. He, he referred me to the sexual assault and trauma abuse counselor that he knew from an organization in our area. 
And I was really on the fast track to breaking down completely. I just wasn't because aware of it. Because you hadn't remembered your childhood, Cindy, had you? Uh, had you? No, no. I I didn't re I had I remembered bits and pieces. Yeah. yeah. And because of those bits and pieces and the therapy that I had before, I thought I had a context. I thought I understood what had happened to me, but yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I had no clue. So there was a distinct split mm-hmm. between what I thought was happening and what was really going on. Yeah. I I wasn't seeing reality as it was. But this addictions counselor saw that. And I, he realized, and I didn't, that I was in a fight for my identity, for my sanity. And, and that means you're fighting for your life. If I'm not me, who am I? <laughs> that's <laughs> right? right. That's right. And that's and what it, was, I was on the brink of losing my identity. That's what was happening. I was splitting off. You see? Exactly. That's right. Yeah. Because that's eventually what the trauma causes. That's that's exactly the the truth. Yeah, that's what happens mm-hmm. to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what happened with the sexual assault and trauma abuse counselor, Clary? Well, I got very lucky there, boy. <laughs> the sexual assault and trauma abuse counselor was actually the best therapist I've ever encountered. She knew my number mm-hmm. when I walked in the door, and uh, we worked on cognizance first. So we got to my, get my perception to line up with my reality. And once that happened, that's when the full recognition, the shock of what I was going through mentally hit me. I realized I was in a very, very fragile condition. And for somebody like me, I'm, I'm you know, over six feet tall, used to be a bodybuilder, you know. For somebody like me to be reduced to that, it was a horrible and very terrifying blow. And uh, more than any trauma in the past that I know now or experienced then, nothing compared with that knowledge, that I was experiencing a very serious mental health crisis. Yeah, what a blow to the identity. And the oh, it was huge. And... Mm. It, was, it, it was terrifying, absolutely right. terrifying. Absolutely. I, I really didn't know how to navigate that situation at all. Yeah. So had this therapist had any confidence in the current psychiatric system in our area or even a more qualified professional, she would have referred me on. That's how seriously ill I was. But she knew what would happen to me. She she had seen it too many times before. I would have been drugged under. I would have been unable to recover. I would have been a number and a file name passed from one person to the next person to the next cog in the wheel. And under those conditions, my prognosis was pretty bad. Well, there's no healing in that model. No. No, I I, I would have been, they would have put me on antipsychotics. You know, they would have managed me with drugs. But it wouldn't have saved my identity. It wouldn't have stopped me from splitting off. No. You know? All it does is try to shut the symptoms up. That's all it does. Yeah, yeah. And and mm. and what's the sense at that point? What's the sense? Yeah. Right? Well, that was my prognosis. Yeah. That's where I was meant to go down that yeah. line. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really, uh, I really identified with your experience. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was very powerful for me. Yeah. To hear you yeah. say what you said. Yeah. What to, hear, to read what it and to hear it. 
Yeah. Because you do so, you know that breakdown experience where you're at the point where, you know, I'm seriously mentally ill. It's, yeah. It's, it's a massive place to be. And it's also that place where you go, well, you know what? Life cannot go on anymore as normal with me pretending I'm not. Exactly. Exactly. It was the breakdown to break through. Yes. I, I had to have that. That had to actually happen to me or I wouldn't be here now. No. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so this therapist, happened. yeah, this therapist, uh, uh, she saw me under all of those layers. So she she knew exactly what she was dealing with, and she saw me, and she thought she could help me. And she used what turned out to be, thank goodness for me, her considerable personal knowledge and skill and her empathy and her strong intuition. And I remember she asked me, do you trust me? And I knew I could. And I told her, yes, I do. And I'm so glad I did because she, she saved my sanity. She was, she was a big part of that. She was the initial part. So what, as the therapy went on, what happens between a, a a client and their therapist is a transference. So what happened was I transferred my dependence from uh, from the narcissist onto the counselor, and she told me exactly what I was doing and when I was doing it. She she told me she led me the whole way through. So and he, <laughs> the narcissist didn't like that at all. He was very resistant to me going to this counselor in the first place. He tried to fight it, and he fought me every step of the way on that. He did not want that to happen. So when I transferred that, uh, uh, my my dependence from him, he ramped up. He upped the ante. And I would have fallen to pieces, you know, right in front of him. If I kept my dependence on him, I could have become catatonic, Anything could have happened to me, completely, you know, drooling, vegetable, anything. And that, he was fine with that because what his purpose was, and this slowly became apparent to me over the next year and a half, was to make me completely dependent on him, which would increase his income through disability that he could dispose of any way he wanted, which, of course, translated into drinking. And it wouldn't have surprised me at all if if he had gotten a sizable life insurance policy on me, <laughs> you know. Well, he was yeah, able and to kept sending you those meals. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like this, this, this was the plot. This is this was the plan, yeah. and that was his plan from the beginning. Right. Yeah. So everything there, you know, the entire thing was a manipulation. There was really no love there, you know. I was a wallet, a means to an end. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. So it left him at loose ends when I transferred that, that, uh, the uh, dependence. And once that tra- the transference was in place, there was no way that I wasn't going to recover. As soon as it was on the on the counselor, and she bore that weight. She knew what she was doing. Yeah. And yeah, she right. bore that weight for yeah. me. But that's what made me keep pushing forward through all of the trial that he threw in front of me, all of the obstacles, I kept going to my therapist. And that's when I started to realize who I was dealing with, (laughs) what I was dealing with. That's when the term narcissist came up. 
I didn't understand what that was, but it was the start of unmasking him. And eventually each one of the narcissists that has participated in my life so far, they, this this was the beginning of the mask coming off of them. Yeah. So my determination mm-hmm. was pretty strong at that point, and I told him if he didn't like it, he could leave. So he had to readjust. <laughs> You know, he had to keep readjusting because he knew that if he pushed too hard and I was gone, there goes the wallet, you see. So, but this, uh, my determination was this little tiny mighty thread in my bid to save my sanity. And the counselor and I worked next. What was that? Thank goodness. Yeah. That, you know, an angel turned up in your life. That was meant to be. I, I believe it was. I believe it was. And it was a thread. And I know you know what that thread is. I, I know you know mm-hmm. that it's just this tiny little thread. But that thread is the strongest one. And thank God I had it. And thank God you mm-hmm. did too. Absolutely. Yeah. We, would, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have that. that that's so, exactly. Uh, exactly. And, and when you look at the, if you hadn't have grabbed that thread, if you hadn't have believed in it and anchored into it with that tiny little thread of you that is left to say, okay, I've got to put everything I have into this, well, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't, you know, we'd either be dead yeah. or we would be institutionalized. There's no two ways about it. Exactly. There might be a body, but there wouldn't be a personality. No. There, there wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be Clary. You you no. would have been Melanie. You know, exactly. we would have been something completely different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no one. So the next really. thing. Yeah. Yeah. The next thing we worked on was the uh, CPTSD, and we calmed those symptoms significantly over the next year or so. And while mm. we were doing that, we started to crack the codependence and the underlying issues from the childhood trauma. And I had either repressed those through the defense mechanisms because the trauma was that severe. It was a a long, sustained, uh, consistent uh, violation. There There was terrible things that happened to me when I was a child. So the defense mechanism stopped me from remembering them or from the previous therapies I had reframed these uh, uh, memories into something, a context that didn't match what the truth was. And that's why mm. I thought I was all right through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. That's why I thought I had dealt with it and that I, I couldn't possibly be having a problem because I was fine, because I thought I knew what my experience was and I and I, and I really didn't. So this was essentially the reason why I could live the one experience and interpret it the other way. So what happened was my sanity had been hooked up to what essentially is a time bomb. And and that happened because of neglect and incompetence at the time and a lack of proper professional attention at the time that it should have been given. So the child protective system failed me. But that's mm-hmm. another story and it's way too involved to get into here. Yeah. And so during the course of therapy, what I found, because of the codependency, is such a strong mechanism. And people tend to look at the involvement in therapy like tasks or even tests. So we perform during the therapeutic sessions, trying to gain the approval of the therapist 
and, and get that validation. Because that's what we do. <laughs> that's what codependents that's so, do. So true. Yeah, yeah. So that what that is is that's the giving to get part, and that's it. That's giving to get at its most refined. So the therapist in the situation is the person who has the control and the hope for knowledge and experience to qualify the interactions, right? And they're supposed to look for these signs. But nobody did that for me. Even the new therapist had trouble detecting it in me. She she really did have... It took her a little while and then she figured out, oh, I know what you're doing. You know, yeah. I know what this yeah. is. <laughs> so what I would end up doing is I would do the work to the satisfaction of the therapist, not not my own benefit. I was trying to impress her and to please her, right? And the thing is, when we're unconscious and we're codependent, that's our normal. So we yeah, don't even normal. know we're doing it. have no clue. No exactly. clue. Yeah. So I would tell them what they wanted to hear, and they would pronounce me healed, and I thought that meant I was. Yeah, yeah, you've just nailed it, haven't you? And because you're intelligent yeah. and you're... I had that a lot in therapy too. Like I used to yeah. come back with my homework and these massive realisations and they go, oh my God, you've got it. You know, you don't need my help anymore. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and they would say I was fine, write that on my file. They'd write that on yeah. my file. And here I am walking around a time bomb thinking, thinking, oh, I'm fine. Mentally, I am good to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Now, what does that sound like <laughs> to me? Isn't that the narcissistic model, the narcissistic condition? You know, that unconscious, they're looking for approval and validation from other people. Yeah, it's... I've been with two narcissists that at a certain time said, you know, I'm going to therapy and I'm you know, going to do this. And, and then they were just blowing their therapists out of the water with how wonderful they were and how good they are and, you know, exactly. how much they realise things. And, you know, and... That's what they were doing. Yeah, they're getting supply, and codependents get the validation, mm-hmm. and we get the assessment. Exactly. We get that exactly. assessment, you know, people, other people telling us where we are. So thank goodness she picked up on that and helped me to pick up on that, and that actually made my recovery more transparent, and I was more accountable because of it. Mm-hmm. So I started to do the work for me. <laughs> you see Beautiful. what I mean? I wasn't exactly. just trying to please her. Yeah. So uh and then we hit the big stop, the avoidance. And uh that that really was like hitting a brick wall. And there comes a time the what the avoidance is is you have to experience the emotions, connect them mm-hmm. with the trauma event and release the pain. So you have to experience those emotions or you mm-hmm. can't release the pain. This is how the human being is made. And it's a cognitive therape- therapeutic principle, and it's a very strong principle, as you know, in NARP, mm-hmm. to experience the emotions, to release them. But in cognitive mm-hmm. therapy, <laughs> you, 
you have to think your way to feeling it. (laughs) And in my condition, I was so disconnected from my body that I couldn't. I could not connect to my emotions. My ego had my mind so wrapped up in survival that I couldn't stay connected to any emotion that I had, even for a few seconds, let alone a full experience. So I was all in my head. There, there was, there was no body. You know, there was no connection to this body, mm-hmm. and so we were. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally were you? Strange. Oh, oh it, my gosh! It's the hardest thing to deal with. It's, it's just like full stop. You, it's like being well, in we a didn't race. Know. We, we no. didn't know, and we thought that you know, I have to. I'm working it out in my head. I have to work it out. I remember when I started doing the body work and getting in my body and started shifting out stuff and bringing in, you know, that much higher consciousness. One day I was in my car driving and I could feel my backside on the seat of my car. And I'm like, that's a weird feeling. Oh my gosh, I'm in my body. I can feel the seat. I know how that feels. (laughs) Yeah. It's, isn't it funny? And and how oh. how we're that numb and we don't know it. You know what yeah. I mean? Exactly. Mm. Yeah, it's, mm. and that was my normal. This is, this is oh, that was well. We just thought that was it, right? Yeah. Like it's yeah. only a bruise or actual experience or something when your body is like really responding that you're actually no, you've even got one. <laughs> yeah. And you know what that means when you're like that is that your brain isn't taking up the impulse from your body's own intelligence. So you don't have that cognitive awareness. You you don't have your body, the input from your body telling your brain anything about your reality. Yeah, your GPS, it's like you've thrown it out the window of your car and you're trying to navigate life. By everybody yeah, else yelling at you, which which street you should turn down. Exactly. So you really are like a head in a box. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Because you, you, that's all the input that you're getting is the input from your head in in a box. Because <laughs> you're cut off that's from everything right. else. So what we did about that was we worked technique after technique. And, and you know, she did her best for me. And she she really kept with me but it was two years we worked on this and uh you know she was running out of options and i was trying to do research to try to find it and i reached the conclusion that you know oh boy i've come all this way and this is as far as i'm going to go i'm i'm going to be stuck like this for the rest of my life and and it was a long way to be to come, you know. I had so much hope and everything, and then just to realize that I was just short of having that full natural expression of 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 being a, a human being, of being a fully functional human being, and that mm-hmm. also meant right. that I wasn't going to have the fuller cognition. My 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 faculty wasn't going to come, you know. It wasn't going to be present, and that maybe I had integrated. Uh, as much of the damaged child, that's what it was mm. at the time, was the wounded child, that I hadn't integrated uh, my wounded child as much as, as like, that That was going to be it. 
yeah. you know that that was as far as I was going to go. So that really was a full stop, and it was just terrifying to me because I realized, I, I you know, I, I was I was living through this glass window, and I could see what I wanted to experience very clearly. I couldn't feel it, I couldn't touch it, I couldn't be it, but mm-hmm. I could see it. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? <laughs> And that grass is always greener, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, and you confronted enough ego and mechanics to say, well, you know, what I get or what I do or what I, what I build my image up to be is not going to give me that. It has to be an authentic experience inside myself. But yet, yeah. I can't integrate inside myself with myself to fully be that expression of myself. And yeah, this it's is like ex- running into a glass window. You you can't get Absolutely. through it. Absolutely. Yeah. And so this is yeah. the experience that narcissists are living every single day of their life. They're not an integrated being, being a full expression of themselves. They're in that glass yeah. window constantly needing that relentless ego feed to be able to be something because yeah. they're not they're not a being. They're not a and there's no and the only difference between us and them is the only difference between us and them is a we have a conscience because yeah. we're not that damaged we've sold our soul out completely and the other yeah. thing is is we have the ability to awaken and want this we don't want exactly. another path anymore we know we it's like an old boy that you picked up and you played with that many times and it brings you no fulfillment why would you want it you don't yeah, want see, stuff see, anymore. You want yourself. Exactly, exactly. And I think what it is for a narcissist is that they like the window there. They don't want to be touched, and they don't want to touch others. That's you true. know, so they That's like true. that 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 uh, that barrier. But but for for the rest of us <laughs> who are yeah. you know trying to be normal at least and are normal. Uh, yeah. uh, to have a barrier like that is extremely painful it's, it, because it limits our expression and that's what we do. Yeah. Human beings, we are ex- expression, we express ourselves and that's our, our entire experience is an expression. So, mm-hmm. and it w- worked the other way in reverse too. You know, I have a son, I have a, a family, you know, that I, that I need to relate to and they couldn't get through the other side of that window. You see what I mean? There was totally. nothing that could come through it to touch me. So, I and that that really feeds that desire, you know, that need for other people to make us happy because yeah. we can't do it ourselves. Yeah. And that's what was happening to me. That's what that's what the narc was. That's what all my relationships were about. Was I needed them to 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 make me happy, to express for me because I couldn't do it myself. Yeah, that's or that's so what true. I thought anyways. That is so true. Yeah. I just shared on my um social media on Facebook an amazing talk, the most amazing talk I've ever heard in my life about twin flames and soulmates, which is Matt Calm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Matt Calm. Yeah. And you know what, and as he says, you know, our twin flame relationships, they're, they're actually the narcissists. Yeah. And what they are doing 
is bringing us exactly what needs to smash us so open that we stop trying to get our own integration through other people. And when we heal that, that. oh, totally. And when we heal that, and when we mate with our own soul, and when we become an integrated being, then we have soulmate experiences, not just with lovers, but also with so many different people in our life where things flow and they are an expression of that self-integration. Yeah. I, I the absolutely story is so about this. You yeah, know? it is. It really is. It's an awakening. That mm. that's what it is. I, I you know, I had lived for 50 some years of my life and I was unconscious that entire time and I came by that honestly, by very honest means, you know, I what can a do- child do in that kind of an environment? But uh, it was time to wake up. <laughs> You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And this is this oh, is yeah, how that happened. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And as a child, you know, we don't have an option. But as an adult, we do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it took me okay. it took me 50 years to grow up to be mature enough to to make this relationship happen. And that's really what it is. It's it's consciousness calling. I really do believe it. Yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. So, how did this? So, this pattern of well, you couldn't break through. You couldn't break through that glass window to integrate into your body, into your feelings, to be you with you. How did that change? Well, during my therapy, the counselor encouraged me to go online and do research. She uh, she said do codependency avoidance. CPTSD and manipulative relationships. <laughs> wow, and I endeavored to do that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's and you know, you know online what that's like, eh? <laughs> and yeah. she didn't give me she gave me a few suggestions, but she didn't give me many because she really wanted me to discover this, right? Mm-hmm. So uh I endeavored to do that research, a lot of it. I was, you know, constantly doing it. And I wanted to show the research at that time. We were still dealing with that whole, you know, trying to impress the therapist (laughs) sort of thing. So, uh, yeah, so I did that. So there's a lot of junk out there, and most of our members are aware that, you know, you you have to go through it to realize it. So, and some of what I found was useful, and it took a while, a few months, but I happened on Sam Vaknin's videos, and around the same time, I, th- I think it was within days, I found your website. And more importantly, I found your blog. Your blog. <laughs> that blog, I tell you, is so precious to me. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you how many aha moments I had reading those articles. Wow. It, it, it's just, it, it was the first connection that, you know what, I'm not the only one going through this. <laughs> You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Somebody yeah. somebody else knows what this is. And uh, it was very affirming to have that whole situation written in that format that didn't concentrate on the victimization because mm-hmm. all the other stuff was just going hashing and hashing and hashing through it. And I, and I couldn't take it. It was just too much. And I mm-hmm. knew, I, like, I was just full up of that. I, I couldn't mm-hmm. do that anymore. Well, so when I found Khan. your blog... 
you know, as Matt Cannon says, that I love on his video that I shared this morning. You know, if we want yeah. to sign up for Twin Flames over and over again, people to smash us open to integrate with ourselves, the best way we can do is judge what the partner before us did to us. Yeah. We're just signing up for another one. We'll just set up for another one. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. And that's the you biggest know, you know what's funny. of victimization is that if you're in judgment of what happened to you instead of taking the higher road with it, well, then you're just signing up for more of the same over and yeah. over again. It's like putting the veil back on. Yeah. yeah. So what happened was I would print off my blog are you there? Yeah, I am. Can you hear me? Hello? Hello, can you hear me? Oh, there you are. There you are. Okay, I thought I, I lost you there for a second. Okay. <laughs> well, I would print off your blog, and I would study it at the coffee shop, or I would go on walks and sit in the park. I would do it everywhere that I wouldn't be interrupted or have my activity co-opted by the narc, because he would just take it out of my hand and, you know, asked me to do something else. It was just, he was so resistant. And he tried his darndest to sabotage that and vilify the sources. You wouldn't believe the things that he would say <laughs> about, you oh, know, his various therapists and things. It was just, and he, you know, he genuinely, it looked like he genuinely believed it. And, and I knew at that time, I knew, you know, only somebody who was an addict would say the things that he said. You know, he he called the addictions counselor a heroin addict. He called yeah. uh, Doctor Phil was a, a dentist, yeah. <laughs> practicing yeah. psychotherapy on a dentist's life. <laughs> you know, like, so and funny. I would look at him like, you know, only somebody who was in the throes of a of his own deep psychosis would say something like that. You know. That's <laughs> So uh so I I poured over your blogs and I and thank God that they were there because they were accessible and I could relate to them I could understand them because you know my brain was shut down I I yeah. didn't have the capability uh I was watching the Sam Vaknin videos and he's so learned and he's so he speaks in professional terms and mm. I didn't have the faculty at the time to understand him. It's not that I wasn't intelligent, it's just my brain was shut down mm-hmm. and I couldn't I couldn't relate to the information. But your blogs are written in such a way that, you know, I could read them. It took, you know, I'd read them over and over and then it would sink in. <laughs> you know what I mean? I could actually understand yeah. them and bit by bit I could assimilate the information and then I could qualify my experience by what was in your articles and go, oh, that's what happened, you know, and these mm. helped me along in gaining awareness. So that the, mm. you know they were they were a part of my therapy. <laughs> oh, I'm so funny. So, so yeah, how me too. It, yeah, yeah. So, Clary, <laughs> how long did it take you before you stepped up from information from the blog to the transformational healing of the NARP program? Well, that took me a while. It took me a long time to buy the program. It was about a year or so after I discovered your blog and only after I had that breakthrough during the webinar. So I had already moved out and I've gone no contact for about four months. And money was really, really tight then. 
And I thought, I and and though I thoroughly trusted and was implementing what I was learning through the blogs, I wasn't sure that a course, you know, was going to help me heal what I understood at the time were my issues because yeah. I was trying to save my sanity. So I wasn't really sure. So the first breakthrough I had was with the webinar. And to that to this day, Melanie, that experience with the webinar stands as the the most important and profound shift I ever had. And I'm so grateful to you for developing the program and for promoting it the way that you do. Because had you not put on that free webinar, which allowed me to try it first, I I would still be buried alive under all of that stored emotion and all of those beliefs and all of the wounds and experience, I would still be split. You know, I, mm-hmm. I'd still be in very much in danger of losing my sanity. Yeah, my id was stuck in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, instead of out here. So you really helped to save my sanity. Your program has brought my faculty. This is the person I was always meant to be. And I was this this my intelligence and my character and my expression was buried under all of those layers. And you Mm. brought that out. Or your program. And you, your energy, brought that out too. Yeah. So when you talk about your experience and I say I connect, I really connect. (laughs) Yeah, I know you do. Yeah, I I uh, I was a shell, you know. I was eviscerated and hollow. And I had always been, I just hadn't known it. I I filled it up with expectations and and, uh, desires and, you know, know, interests. But I wasn't me. I wasn't fully me doing that. So, yeah. So I was able, when I was able to connect through my body to that stored emotion and experience it... Oh, that was an incredible experience because I've been working for two years just trying to achieve just that. And I did the webinar, and in about an hour, it happened. And and mm. it was it, it's it's still surreal to me. I get still get really emotional uh, thinking about it because it was such a breakthrough and it was so powerful. Mm. Um, did you? Did I might, you? Good. I get messages from people from webinars. You know, emails go through and they get passed on to me, and people say, "Oh my God, I've been trying to connect to my emotions, and I've been trying for years, and it, oh, I can't." You know, there's such a relief there. There's such a a feeling. Did you? Were you one of those people at that time? Did you email me and let me know? I yes, I, I put a message on the um, on the comment section of the blog. Right. Yeah, I I was right. elated. I, 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 like my feet yeah. were not touching the ground. I was just elated that I, mm. first of all that there was a technique that I could use, and yeah. and then the second part of it was that I was actually capable of it because I yeah. I was I really had come to the conclusion that I was not capable of connecting, and uh, <laughs> so I was elated. Mm. I emailed my therapist. It was late at night here. Uh, I think it was like after midnight or something like that, and I emailed her <laughs> right away, and and she made she emailed me back like what? <laughs> yeah, 
that's that's the kind of experience it was because her emails go right to her phone, right? So I emailed oh, her, and then I wrote on your on on the comment section of your blog. I was floating. I had tears. I cried for four hours, oh. and and it, it was just an incredible experience because I couldn't cry. I right. I, I didn't cry. Oh, I, not 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 myself, like my personality. When I dissociated, I could cry, <laughs> but that was I me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And it was so funny doing it because my ego couldn't interfere with the body. That's and it right. was so funny because it really tried to. Yes, yes. <laughs> but it couldn't do it. The, the going in through the body, that was what was missing with the cognitive therapy was going in through the body, feeling yes. the physical pain and and connecting to the emotion through the physical pain that's yes. that doesn't happen in cognitive therapy so it was the no, physical pain right. that gave me the bridge to connect to that emotion and that's the ego right. exactly and we were all yeah. trained to try and put it the other way and you yeah, know it's just our way through it quantum scientists are totally proving you know that the, the, the yeah. body cult behavioral thought they understand that it's body first, then brain. Yeah, yeah, it is. Everything. It really is. And the yes. ego can't do anything about that. <laughs> exactly. And I promise you, yeah. Clary, NARP was created because I had a monstrous ego, a monstrous ego that was so determined to destroy my life and everything else and, and take me right to total demise. I needed to find a process that would... Render my ego null and void. And, and you and, uh, did it. <laughs> yeah, well, thank goodness I did it. You did it, thank goodness. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because it did. It did. It, it's just so amazing to me how how we miss that <laughs> for how long? Right. You know, how long has psychotherapy been going on? And we've missed that for this long. That it's well, it really I really believe body. that this is. I am a little bit of a conspiracy theorist at heart because I see, you know, what our world is really based on, and I really think yeah. that so much of that was conscripted purposefully to disconnect us from ourselves, so that we weren't authentically integrated. Then we're very easily to, easy to control. Yeah, well, it certainly does. It's proven to make us better consumers. You know, we, we oh, consume yeah. more. Oh, yeah, because if I feel like crap, well, if I just buy that, well, hopefully I'll feel better. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we do for, you know, five minutes. <laughs> Until yeah, the serotonin well, or the dopamine wear off. And, <laughs> and then we're going to go buy something else, right? Yeah, then, then we're, you know, we're back in the in the in the dumps again yeah so it was just it was so incredible to go through that and uh the thought that i wanted to to relate it to it's like being having a life sentence commuted you know what i mean i was Mm. i was sort of imprisoned and you opened the door and let me out (laughs) you know what i mean (laughs) yeah yeah, it it was just it's still I I get so emotional when I think of that. I could I could just bawl my eyes out right now. <laughs> no, I get it. You know, I get yeah. the same emotional feeling, you know, every time that I know that I've done something in the world to help people 
come home to themselves, I feel like bawling my eyes out. Oh, oh well, you've done it. You've done such a wonderful job, and I'm so so grateful. I really, really am. But you know, at that time, so I got that result, but I didn't still. I still didn't have the context of my childhood, and how it related with the narc. So after after all of that, my initial experience with with the webinar. I, I had to save up my money because I had very little money. So I started NARP July 3rd of 2014. I just celebrated my anniversary, and uh, I was too busy to write an anniversary post. I will, I will. <laughs> and uh, I continued oh my, my therapy gosh, as well. Oh, my Wow. It's been a year. Yeah, over a year now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, what an incredible year. <laughs> I can't believe it. It's gone by so fast. But so many things have happened. Like it's just, it's been one. Uh, my my consciousness has grown. Like my awareness and my my faculty, my mental faculty, from 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 when I started to coming now, it's like university. You know what I mean? Oh, I I I just went into university. And now I have all of this referent <laughs> yeah. that I can use and relate to, and my brain is functioning properly, so I can actually relate mm-hmm. it. I can express it, you know. And I, I oh, it's, that's that's just such a the most amazing part of the whole thing. But I didn't remember. I still didn't have the context of my childhood, and uh, so I learned very quickly that the situation wasn't about the narc, and and that it. You know, mm-hmm. I had to deal with me. It was the whole thing was about me, and at the time I got the program Absolutely. was about five months of no contact, which helps me helped me with the detachment. So uh, what I did was, and and I really want to express this because people have our members have the hardest time because it, we don't realize that our ego is translating for us. So what I had to do was I had to read. Uh, the worksheet and instruction um, document and mm-hmm. I had to listen to the orientation mp3 over and over and over again so that I I could I could understand what the process was because mm-hmm. my ego was translating for me and yeah, it tried yeah. to turn it into a task you know it tried to make it hard and yeah. it's not that at all you know what I mean yeah. totally so that's uh, I really want to make sure that the members know that that it's your ego that's translating it and and you really need to work on understanding what the orientation is and the uh instruction sheet so that you get the best benefit from the modules right away because if you know that right away you can save yourself a whole lot of you know um um confusion and mm. and disruption in your process if you get that so what I did was I I did that and I got into module one and every day for three weeks I did module one, and then uh, I would I would experience dig release, <laughs> you know, yeah. experience yeah. dig release and journal journal journal. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, just right heading into some it. Of those releases, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's really what you have to do. And module one is the perfect module for that. Yeah. And uh, and I just let NARP take over my entire re- my entire recovery process. I continued in therapy, but I used the therapy as my reality test. 
but NARP was the vehicle that I was using to recover from this point on. And my therapist complied only because my results from the webinar were so significant and my results with NARP, with even just Module 1, were just amazing. Blew her, blew her lights out. Like, she couldn't believe it. Yeah. And this woman yeah. knew me for over two years at this point. Yeah. <laughs> she knew me very, very well. <laughs> so those were genuine... So when you were working out, what did you discover, Clary, about your inner program that had co-generated the abuse of your life? Yeah, I discovered the mountain under the tip of the iceberg. So what happened there was NARP worked so well that it got through some pretty heavy memory blocks that I had in place, some of which they were in place because of the haphazard reframing process in previous therapies and some were in place because of the survival mechanisms. So my memory was severely, severely interfered with, and NARP was able to break through a lot of that. And uh, what happened was um, uh, when when I got triggered, my memory would become even further uh, distanced from me through the CPTSD response. It, it just fuzzes you mm-hmm. out. You, you just go into this fog. And... Uh, NARP got through that when two years of cognitive therapy couldn't. So mm-hmm. I realized at that point what I discovered about people, about human beings, is that we're actually quite technical. We have an operating system. And it's amazingly flexible, but when it gets infected with abuse and trauma and, and because our personalities are so chemically based, we actually break down. So yeah. I discovered that the the narcissist in my life was actually a highly skilled surgeon. <laughs> yes. And what he did was he carefully used that scalpel to take my personality and my defense mechanisms apart. And each piece that he took apart was a delicate and fragile piece. And he took it apart without breaking the pieces. Yes. You see what I mean? So he dismantled yes. me just enough to make me aware of my condition. Yes. So he... he if I if it hadn't have been if I didn't have a relationship with with this narcissist, uh, um, I don't think I would be intact now. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. He he exactly. was the skilled professional. He exactly. was the surgeon. Yeah, yeah. And for Couldn't his part, they dismantle us. They dismantle us, and we. We need our personality dismantled to yeah. be set on... Exactly the way we need it dismantled. Correct. And, and that's another thing that, that might be valuable information for the members is, is, is that what you're going through is, is because that's your wound. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. the abuses that you're suffering are a direct correlation to to your wounds the wounds that you have and that's a way to look into them is by what you suffered absolutely does that does that did that come across as clear mm, totally yeah absolutely yeah. yeah so and and because of because my condition was as fragile as it was at the time my thinking was if if he had slid uh, you know, it, done anything differently than he did, 
the plot would have been lost because my sanity truly was on the razor's edge. It really yeah. was, you know, hanging in the balance. And uh, he he didn't slip. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know, hopefully I never have to revisit this again. But if I do, I I I want somebody as good as that to take me apart again. You know, if that has to happen. Yeah, yeah. I had it happen yeah. twice because it needed to happen twice. It yeah. really did. And I am so grateful for second time around as much as first time around. Really, really yeah. needed that. And, you know, this is what Matt Kahn's saying. This is, you know, if you haven't got it yet, well, then you need another twin flame soul contract. Exactly, you know? exactly. Yeah. 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 It, it's like uh, maybe another way to relate it to to help uh, people understand is that it's like having a medical condition and, and the only way you can go through and survive this medical condition is to have this surgery. Yeah. And, and and you know the doctor that sits at your bed he's he's just horrible he's got you know the charm and appeal of an ant farm and you know he's got no bedside manner and and he speaks down to you and he looks down at you and he and he hurts you in ways that you know hurts your body but you you need the experience and you need his skills to get you to the place where you can function on your own again you you have to have the surgery <laughs> Perfect. And, and that's what the and, that's what the narcissist did for me. And it's no wonder people say they've been clarified after talking to you. <laughs> You've got such a beautiful stuff. So I think I that's so it. cute. I love that expression. People just say you've just been clarified. Yeah. <laughs> like for anybody who needs clarification. Become an art member so and be in the art forum and ask Clary and you'll be clarified for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so Clary, it was a, it, sorry, we're into the next question. That comes you know, from a family joke you know, too, eh? the longest talk ever, but it's so good. It's so good. Oh, yeah. So Clary, what has happened since, what's happened since doing the inner work in your life? What's happened for you personally? Well, my entire life is completely different right now. It's it's just nothing short of a transformation. Uh, I have a proper context with which to frame my childhood experience. It's freed me from doubts, all of those doubts we, we carry around with us, the, the self-loathing and that self-critic that's gone. I don't have that anymore. Uh, experiencing and releasing those stored emotions ha- have allowed me to connect to my body. And they heal. I've been able to heal much faster than my therapy would allow. You know, it's it's just been incredible. There would no be no way that I would be finished my therapy even to this point, if uh, if I just continued on that that road. So I was able yeah. to detach my dependence from from a counselor, completely free myself from any charge or connection or cords or anything from the narcissist. There's nothing there. And a huge endorsement of my progress and of NARP was my counselor telling me that I was good to go it on my own just months after I started the program. So I believe it was four months after I started NARP that she said, oh, you got this. You've got this. Yeah. yeah. And I, I can phone her anytime I need her, but she says, you're, you're good. Things, things are all right here. 
And that's yeah, pretty big that's, after two years of trying every which way to integrate in your body. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that was a huge, huge moment when she said, and I and I looked at her. You know, I was shocked. I said, "Are you sure? You know, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not just kidding myself here. Are you sure?" And and mm-hmm. she said, "Yeah, you've got this, Clary. You've got this." Oh, she she said, "If you need me, you can phone me any time, day or night. I'm there for you." Beautiful. But you're all right. Angel. You're you're gonna be all you're gonna be fine. Mm. Yeah, that was a that was a, a pivotal moment, just just huge. And then shifting those inner beliefs, which put me in touch with my little me's. That was mm. my integration process. It took over that integration of that wounded child. But the little mm. me's, seeing the little me's, is a, an even more effective means for me to integrate uh, mm. my wounded child. It's it, because I see them. Uh, actually, it's a it's a bodily experience. So yeah, I see them somatic. integrating into my body. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then being able to connect with that higher perspective. I wrote it on the uh, the forum today. I was I, I wrote an example. The image just came to my mind because I'm always talking about seeing through these different lenses. And I was trying to help one of our uh, members today with a with an issue, and a and an image came to me of a table with three pairs of glasses sitting on the table, and the small pair of glasses, and the medium sized pair of glasses, and the large, and the egoic pair of glasses is a small lens, these small lens, oh, and it's like looking through tubes, <laughs> totally. nothing connects, it's not co- cohesive. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we would be insecure because we don't really know what we're looking at. Our, our full vision, our full ability to, to perceive is impaired. So, uh, and that's what I've been doing is I've been looking through them. And then there's the medium-sized glasses, which are our bodily, that's our bodily intelligence. That's the input that the body gives us. Mm-hmm. And, and our bodies are smart themselves. You know, they're just uh, incredibly intelligent, much more intelligent than the ego. And uh-huh. then there's the large pair of glasses, which is the higher self, and they they have a mm. zoom function, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and they can yeah. zoom out, <laughs> you know, and yeah. see the situation from a from a much higher, uh, uh, broader perspective. Mm. And then mm. they can zoom in, and and the tiniest aspect you can uh, examine in detail, and that's the higher self. And uh, having that connection with that higher self has just been the most incredible experience because I look through those glasses now more often that lens more often than not that's my preferred view of life is through this connected uh, energetic uh, uh, higher me (laughs) it's a higher self and it's connected to you and everybody else and everything that exists because it's it's substance. There is substance, and energy is a substance. And uh, so uh, possibility has opened up to me, and I've become a much more spiritual person. Uh, you know, I incorporate information and experience that I would just have dismissed before. You know, I thought it was all nonsense, right? And uh, But it's, it's, it's just filled my life up with, uh, mm. with a lot of truth and a lot of beauty. And uh, it's just been an incredible experience. And for my symptoms, my dissociation and, and my flashbacks, panic attacks, 
the avoidance and everything else, I, I don't have problems with them anymore. You know, they're gone. That's that's done. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's gone for good. Yeah. 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 So I've I've been able to integrate that child and and uh and I am who I am and I'm not that little girl anymore. And that's what that that's what that was all about with that child. It was a 50-year-old <laughs> child mm-hmm. and I've she's grown up. And mm-hmm. I love the me who I've become. I really really you know, this this life is just an amazing thing. It's just incredible. I took it all for granted before. That's just so beautiful, everything that you've said. That's so true. We were wounded children trying to be adults, and it just wasn't working. Yeah, yeah, we couldn't. There, there was, there was, we didn't know how. We needed Mm. that internal parent. We had to have that parent. And you're so right. This is what I love about when we really get into the energetic quantum principles of reparenting. Rather than just the human repairing, we're really going for that higher self-repairing and that the energy of that heals things. But we don't have the power to heal. It is that yeah. powerful. And it is love, universal love. is none of that judgment, none of that victimized judgment. It's the saying that everything has been in perfect and divine order for us to reach the highest, most incredible expansive version of ourselves and when we get to those sort of states we understand that that higher power is love and ultimately it's love for ourselves and integration with ourselves because love is everything that i endorse and you know we endorse you know those of us that are looking for that shift in consciousness out of victimization to thriving which I'm so passionate about, because love is God. That's why. Yeah. And that's the experience that we're here to live. Yeah. And see, we've translated that into stuff, things, uh, doing, you know. That's how we've translated that. But it's it's actually, it's about being. It's just about being you. And that's enough. You know, that's enough. It's, it's, yeah. it doesn't matter about you're already stuff. Home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're already home. Yeah. And Everything then the you need is right here. And the <laughs> that's it. Then the doing and the stuff and the things is just fun and expansion. Not because, oh yeah. my God, I have to have that to have an identity. All of that yeah. yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's really a crazy system. Crazy system. It just uh, mm-hmm. it, it just amazes so me how we've got this far, yeah. And, and when we unpack ourselves from all of those painful beliefs and all that stuff we took on, that's when we become so clear how crazy it's been. Yeah, you, well, your faculty comes back to you. That's the thing is that uh, because this condition, your mental faculty doesn't function at its best. Uh, best rate so you're suppressed your actual faculty your intelligence is actually suppressed and when Mm -hmm. you can when when you let that go when when your faculty comes back you go oh of course you know this makes 
so much sense. And that's why people like Bruce Lipton and Greg Braden and uh, Matt Kahn and, you know, all of these sources of consciousness are so important because they show us, they have their faculty. It's it's risen up <laughs> from from the unconsciousness. They've come up, they've had their own process and they've come up and they're trying to impart this to us so that we have the information. If we can get the information and go over it enough times or hear it in, in you know, uh, in some several different ways so that it clicks, something with us clicks, and when that happens, you you do up level. You your your faculty comes up and meets Absolutely. you where 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 you've just learned something new. You meet your consciousness there. You see Absolutely. from the depth. So. Yeah, yeah, the big glasses, the large pair. And you can use the other two anytime you need to. You know, the little glasses are still handy to have around for helping other people. You know, you stick them on. Yeah. If somebody's having trouble, you put those on and you try to figure out what's going on with them, you know. Yeah. And you can you can pretty much feel around. We're we're very similar that way. You know, there's there's not too much difference. We all seem to think that we're special cases, but we're we're not. Yeah. <laughs> It's so true. We're so similar. Yeah, yeah. We it's think, we so think. oh, true. nobody will be able to relate to this situation, you know. Nobody, like, look at my situation. I, I have a childhood like that. I survived it. That, just that I survived it alone was a miracle. And, uh, mm. you know, who's going to understand that, right? <laughs> and then I come to the forum, and sure enough, there's other people, you know, that have had a similar experience, and they've survived it. You know, so we really there are no special cases. There's no, there's no oh, but you know it has to be different for me. No, no, it doesn't have to be different for you. You just need to accept the process as it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? That and that, that's something. Yeah, yeah, it'll help the members to get through that initial break in to the program. Is is that yeah? You're not a special case. There's no special cases. Yeah, you're here right. because you need to be. Exactly. Oh, gosh, that's yeah. true. It is. So yeah. how has your transformation worked with the relationship that you have with your son now? Well, my son, he's an adult. He's a, he's a 30 years old, and I raised him as a full-blown codependent. I had OCD. I had unresolved CPTSD. Um, I had and I had a serious avoidant personality disorder, so we had issues. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, we had we had yeah. uh, we had our problems. You know, communication was a, was a big problem, and yeah. uh, but uh, learning to heal by proxy has actually helped that a lot. And uh, it, even with adult children, it's it's just amazing what healing by proxy can do. And of course, when you heal yourself you heal everything around you. <laughs> you oh know, it gosh, just happens. Yeah. It's a part of it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. And so we've been able to clear the air between us uh, to a very large, large extent. We're very, very close, my son and I. We've always been very close. But sometimes we were close in, in, in a, you know, a not very healthy way. So we yeah. relied on each other inappropriately. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So we've been able to clear that air between us and we're we're less guarded and much much less reactive around each other. So is it perfect? No. 
No, it it and it probably never will. But it's it's much better than it was, and he's been so considerate and very supportive. He you know he took me in when I when I left the narcissist. I was going to go to a, a shelter, and wow. he absolutely yeah. refused to have that happen. He said, No, 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 you're moving in with me. And we shared a one-bedroom apartment, and he worked nights. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah, I slept at night, and he slept during the day in a one-bedroom apartment, just packed full of our furniture. Yeah. Yeah, and then we got a two-bedroom, and we're sharing expenses right now. But, uh, you know, our bond is is so... the Everybody talks about the bond with their children, eh? But uh, NARP has really uh, made me realize who he is and uh and what a fine a fine man he's grown into and i you know he's he's really become that way largely through his own faculty he's he's just got this amazing intelligence about him but uh there's also this awareness that we have of each other and we have a very very strong bond so narps made a huge difference there huge mm-hmm. yeah. So, what is your experience, Clary, as a moderator? And what would you like oh, to share with us about the forum? If, it, it, it's kind of funny because if you think NARP is, is good, uh, you know, as a member, <laughs> just wait until you're a moderator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it really is leaps and bounds past uh, uh, what my expectation was. It's just incredible. But the most important thing about it is is that uh, I'd like the members to know that it's not about controlling them, that they help me as much as I help them. Mm. And uh, through them, they, my, re- my recovery is reinforced and my skills and, and what I understand is refined and honed mm. and I get better every day because I, I interact with them. So they made a huge contribution to my recovery this far. And and I'd like to, you know, I wish I could mention all of them, but Arnell and Bob and Patty and Ruby, uh, she's RB, RB, RMB, or I can't remember, I just call her Ruby, <laughs> yeah. and Debbie Kay and Tarma and Instant Recovery, Aminath, uh, Lucky Michael, Alex. I, I haven't talked to you for a long time, Alex, but I hope everything's okay. And Eileen and Althea and Jean and Firefly and Gail and Free at Last and anybody who I haven't mentioned, just imagine that I've said your name because I would list you all if we had enough time, but there's it would take hours. <laughs> but I've listed you in my heart and you'll always, always be there. You know, even if you don't think so. If I've read your posts or comments, and I read almost all of them because we get them emailed to us. And if I've interacted with you at all, you've made a big difference and helped my recovery. And you just, I, I don't think you realize how incredible you all are in your experience and your insights and your encouragement and resources. Uh, just your openness and your candor and your generosity and the wisdom, this collective wisdom that's going on on that forum is just incredible. And their spirit is just, you know, it pulled me through some really, really dark stuff. And individually, you're all amazing. And together, you're just all extraordinary. It's, it's, it's really a unique environment and a community. Uh, I can't say enough about it. It's, it's just so 
unbelievably incredible to have all of this in one place. <laughs> you know, mm. it just blow my socks off every day. Mm. It blows my yeah. socks off when I get in there. You know, when I when I had a vision for a forum that would be completely different from any victimization model in the world, that would be a thriver community. I have to say it has exceeded my expectations a hundredfold of what it would be. Oh wow. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. That's incredible. I, I you know, I never thought of what that must be like to start and grow that. You know, to to start it and, and watch it grow and see it uh transform mm-hmm. into what it is today. There's nothing well, like it anywhere else that I that I know of. Yeah, and I knew the world needed a change. I needed, I knew that we needed to stop looking at it from that angle and we needed to come from a more highly evolved angle and it it has proven to be that. I, I go on there and you know I can't get on there an awful lot these days but I'll go on there and I'll have a read and I'm just like, oh, my heart's singing, singing, yeah. reading those yeah. posts. You know, and if I go on to a victimised forum... My heart is contracting and squeezing and dying. Oh, it just sucks you right down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 and I see. I don't go on the other forums because of that. Because I, I just, yeah. I can't go there anymore. My body won't even let me go there anymore. It just yeah. says, no, no, no. We're not doing this. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes <laughs> we need to for research, and you know, and I just, I, I'm there for about five seconds of skim, and I just go, oh, I can't. I cannot be here. Yeah. But that, yeah. you know, what so urges me to be so passionate about our model. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 such it's such a great thing to have that form mm-hmm. and the way that it works just incredible. And then the moderators, wow. Oh my goodness. If I could have picked people that I wanted to work with, like a dream team, I couldn't have picked better than Cindy or Phil or Nora, like the three of us the four of us actually all together. And then Zach, you know, your son, he really, oh, wow, he's he's really made a difference as far as, the, you know, putting that uh, discussion, the moderator section and everything, and his input is so valuable and, and great insight. And then all four of us are, we all have different a, a different experience, but we all have different strengths and we seem to balance each other out and we give each other feedback and input and that makes us our responses better and it mm. helps you us you guys are a dream team you guys oh, are a dream you, team that just that a, to me all the time you guys together are just incredible oh I, and and to me they're incredible <laughs> they're just amazing the, the, what they offer is just so deep and now that we have new members, wow! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. I got so excited when I saw that today. It's like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, well, Mouth is expanding exponentially now, and it's like, wow, yeah. okay, more members, more moderators. Let's get ramped up, guys, because more and more people are coming towards the Thriver model, which is so exciting. It's very exciting. It's oh, I'm I just I get so such a hit from that. Like, 
I just can't believe how many new people are coming on board. And it's so nice to have more people because then we can interact with them more mm-hmm. and we can get them really using the NARP tool better, you know, mm-hmm. getting a really good result and uh, making sure that their recovery, you know, stays on track and that you know, the best thing that can happen is happening for them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, this is the best, the best. Uh, <laughs> I get so excited when I hear about this. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, I I really do want to acknowledge the moderators who set the tone, who set the pace for us, and and moderators like Christine and Suzanne and Fiona and Debbie and Galit. Uh, When I started NARP a year ago, these were the examples that I looked to, and uh, and I think it's the same for Cindy, Phil, and uh, Nora came a little bit after, but, uh, you know, these people really helped my recovery they brought me out of that victim into you know uh through their experience and their input and their their gentle guidance they they were they were so good at guiding and uh they really you know they're just amazing and i'm i'm so grateful to be able to follow in their footsteps yeah Mm -hmm. so to thank everybody like this uh on a thriver show is just <laughs> to me that's the best thing. That's the yeah. best thing to be able to say, you know, thank you so much that's for helping me. I'm so grateful. Well Zach has just messaged me and he says, You guys really need to finish up. You've been going on so long. <laughs> oh no, I have another hours. page. <laughs> I know. So I think what we'll do, I think we'll do you know, I think what we'll do is we'll try and, you know, wrap up in the next few minutes. Just let's see. I'm going to post this anyway like all the rest of your transcript definitely because it's just great information here that'll be up on the okay. blog but I think what we'll do for this interview is we'll move on to you know what your final messages are for people well first of all you know what's been the biggest thing for you maybe our last two points incorporate them together if you can you know how you feel about life now and what you know what's your most important message to people to really help them well, well, before uh, before my recovery, and and certainly before NARP, um, my life was a mystery. I really didn't have a direction. I didn't have a plan. My plan was to find somebody to take care of me, mm. and that really that was really that's the survival model, isn't it? <laughs> right there, you know, just to to give up and let somebody take care of me because I wasn't very good at doing that myself. And now my life is very different. I, I, the thoughts of me uh, needing a partner are very rare, few and far between. So whenever they come up, I know there's something underneath there, some kind of uh, wounded uh, child that I need to top level. But uh, I feel very confident. I have this confidence and I have this, um, this clarity. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> this, this <laughs> about what I want to do, what I want to achieve. So I'm I'm writing a book right now, and actually wow. I'm I'm working on a book of poetry while I'm doing that because the the expressions are just coming. And uh, you know wow. I'm I've got this sort of vision. I have all of these uh, different desires and projects that I I want to get involved with. But I'm not hurrying about it. I don't feel rushed, and I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to run around and please people anymore. So all of that, um, all of that uh, mechanism, is gone. 
and I'm just enjoying being myself, which is it, it's an amazing thing to discover yourself and to to feel yourself, to feel mm-hmm. you know this the amazing vehicle that is our body, and to to have the mind to actually function and and plan and and participate in projects. It's it's been an amazing experience, a really mm-hmm. amazing experience. Freedom, freedom from our wounds. Truly, yes, definitely, definitely. Mm-hmm. It is freedom. Definitely. Liberation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then uh, as a final message, I guess, to to help Zach along and to finish this up, um, uh, the most important thing I want to share is that this life experience is your own. It's not about anybody else. It's about you. And it's not the people in our lives that make the experience of it good. It's the way we participate in the experience that makes it good. That's one of the biggest lessons I learned. So before I found NARP, I was really struggling for an answer and a breakthrough. And it was like living a 3D life, but capable of only two. But I knew there was more. And I I could see the more, and I wanted more, but I couldn't do it no matter what I tried. I just I just couldn't do it. I couldn't connect. I couldn't control the mechanisms. I couldn't progress. And I was ready to, to accept that I just couldn't do it. And it wasn't someone else that brought me to NARP. Uh, Melanie, by your own ability, you develop something and you put it out there to the best of your ability for the rest of us to find, right? But you can't make mm-hmm. us read it. and you, you, you can only make it available. But the information was there in my purview and had been for some time, for about a year. And I had reasons for why I couldn't do it. Then something changed. The reasons not to do it got set aside. The obstacle was removed. A free webinar, a chance to try it first. And what this entailed was me signing up. I could do that, (laughs) right? Put time Mm -hmm. aside. I had time. I could do that. Sitting in my re- sitting on my rear end down in a chair. I had a chair. I could do that. I could turn on my media device. I could do that. Put my headphones on. You don't really need to have headphones, but if you have them, I recommend you use them. And I could do that. And then there was listening to a broadcast. Well, I could do that too. So all of the things that couldn't changed to could. <laughs> and who made that a could? I made that a could. So my desire to break through helped to create the circumstances that I needed to do it. And and uh, if I had a thought, I could have just as easily thought, oh, I don't have enough time, I don't have a comfortable enough chair, you know, my computer's not the best. Then my reality would still be, I can't, I couldn't do it. I would be living that reality right now. But this is this is the really important part. If you're saying to yourself that you can't do it then you're making that your reality. It's your choice. And I hope this resonates with you because I know that I do this myself and I have to keep reminding myself all the time that if I say I can't do it, I'm going to live that. So the codependent mechanism led me to let others choose for me. I had that belief that I couldn't do it myself. I just didn't know better. So my reality reflected my belief that I couldn't do it. The narc someone who was never capable of doing it for me, but in his illness believed he could, he accepted the offer. <laughs> and how did yeah. that work out? You know, what was I to him? <laughs> and I know what I was now. I was and I couldn't do it myself. 
you see? Yes. So whatever me, me chose to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like all of totally. us. Yes. Like all of us. So whatever he chose to do and however he chose to do that was his way of saying, I can do it. You know, it was his permission to do it. So, it, it, like, it sounds like it's a joke, but it's really not because I I couldn't, and that meant my life couldn't. Mm. So now that I believe I can, I live in a reality of I can. So whenever it's a can't, I know I've got work to do. I, I've got to work on that. But we make our own can'ts. We do it ourselves, and we make our own cans. And I and I really hope that that the members get that that this is about you, not about anybody else. Mm. Clary, perfect, and just a perfect way to end. It really, really is. Well, Clary, this has been an enormous interview in, in time and depth and substance and wisdom. And I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show. Oh, I, I appreciate the opportunity, and I I got to tell you, oh, I, I'm so grateful to you for what you do and everything that you've done so far, and everybody's input is just amazing. And I'm so grateful. Thank you very much for this opportunity. You're welcome. We do. We have an amazing family of consciousness that is just so special, so special. It's yeah. so divine. We're very, so very they're all wonderful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are. We are, we all are just to just to be together and know each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is so rare. I don't have anybody else in my experience that's going through this kind of recovery. Yeah. It is. It's, yeah. it's amazing. Well, thank you and I'm sure it's late over there and have a beautiful night and know that you've served humanity in a beautiful way today as you do every day. Oh, thank you, Melanie. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, much love, much love. So everybody, I hope that you really enjoy Clary and my show together. And you'll be able to see a transcript of this on the blog, which is at blog.melanietoniaevans.com. And also, too, what uh, Clary was talking about in detail with the free webinar, where you can get to experience NARP and Hopefully, an incredible shift to get you and your body and connecting to yourself. Um, you could do that on, you can find that information, the free webinar, www.melanietoniaevans forward slash free webinar. So that's it from everybody till next week. And lots of love and bye-bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.